when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches lost Lord James. Stately, plump, buck bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company. Read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by DBC Pierre. I was just passing the time of day with old Troy of the DMP at the corner of Arbor Hill there, and be damned but a bloody sweep came along and he near drove his gear into my eye. I turned around to let him have the weight of my tongue when who should I see dodging along Stony Batter, only Joe Hines. Lo, Joe, says I, how are you blowing? Did you see that bloody chimney sweep near shoved my eye out with his brush? Soot's luck, says Joe, who's the old bollocks you were talking to? Old Troy, says I, was in the force. I'm on two minds not to give that fellow in charge for obstructing the thoroughfare with his brooms and ladders. What are you doing around those parts, says Joe. Devil a much, says I. There's a bloody big foxy thief beyond by the garrison church at the corner of Chicken Lane. Old Troy was just giving me a wrinkle about him. Lifted any God's quantity of tea and sugar to pay three bob a week, said he had a farm in the county down, off a hop of my thumb by the name of Moses Herzog over there near Heightsbury Street. Circumcised, says Joe. Aye, says I. A bit off the top. An old plumber named Geraghty. I'm hanging on to his tour now for the past fortnight and I can't get a penny out of him. That the lay you're on now, says Joe. Aye, says I. How are the mighty fallen? Collector of bad and doubtful debts. But that's the most notorious bloody robber you'd meet in a day's walk and the face on him, all pockmarks, would hold a shower of rain. Tell him, says he, I dare him, says he, and I double dare him to send you round here again, or if he does, says he, I'll have him summoned up before the court, so will I, for trading without a license. And he, after stuffing himself till he's fit to burst, Jesus, I had to laugh at the little Jewy getting his shirt out. He drink me my teas, he eat me my sugars, because he no pay me my monies. For non-perishable goods bought of Moses Herzog of 13 St. Kevin's Parade, Wood Key Ward, merchant, hereinafter called the Vendor, and sold and delivered to Michael E. Geraghty, Esquire, of 29 Arbor Hill in the city of Dublin, Aaron Key Ward, gentleman, hereinafter called the Purchaser, videlicet, five pounds avoirdupois, of first choice tea, at three shillings per pound avoirdupois, and three stone avoirdupois of sugar, crushed crystal, at three pence per pound avoirdupois. The said purchaser debtor to the said vendor of one pound, five shillings, and six pence sterling, for value received, which amount shall be paid by said purchaser to said vendor in weekly installments every seven calendar days, of three shillings, 
and no pence sterling. And the said non-perishable goods shall not be pawned or pledged or sold or otherwise alienated by the said purchaser, but shall be and remain and be held to be the sole and exclusive property of the said vendor, to be disposed of at his good will and pleasure, until the said amount shall have been duly paid by the said purchaser to the said vendor in the manner herein set forth, as this day hereby agreed between the said vendor, his heirs, successors, trustees, and assigns of the one part, and the said purchaser, his heirs, successors, trustees, and assigns of the other part. Are you a strict TT? says Joe. Not taking anything between drinks, says I. What about paying our respects to our friend? says Joe. Who? says I. Sure he's in John of God's off his head, poor man. Drinking his own stuff? says Joe. Aye, says I. Whiskey and water on the brain. Come round to Barney Kiernan's, says Joe. I want to see the citizen. Barney Mavernines be it, says I. Anything strange or wonderful, Joe? Not a word, says Joe. I was up at that meeting in the city arms. What was that, Joe? says I. Cattle traders, says Joe, about the foot and mouth disease. I want to give the citizen the hard word about it. So we went around by the linen hall barracks and the back of the courthouse, talking of one thing or another. Decent fellow, Joe, when he has it, but sure like that he never has it. Jesus, I couldn't get over that bloody foxy Garrity, the daylight robber, for trading without a license, says he. In Innisfail the fair there lies a land, the land of holy Mikan. There rises a watchtower beheld of men afar. There sleep the mighty dead as in life they slept, warriors and princes of high renown. A pleasant land it is in sooth of murmuring waters, fishful streams where sport the gunnard, the place, the roach, the halibut, the gibbed haddock, the grills, the dab, the brill, the flounder, the mixed coarse fish generally, and other denizens of the aqueous kingdom too numerous to be enumerated. In the mild breezes of the west and of the east, the lofty trees wave in different directions their first-class foliage. The wafty sycamore, the Lebanonian cedar, the exalted plane tree, the eugenic eucalyptus, and other ornaments of the arboreal world with which that region is thoroughly well supplied. Lovely maidens sit in close proximity to the roots of the lovely trees, singing the most lovely songs while they play with all kinds of lovely objects as, for example, golden ingots, silvery fishes, crans of hearings, drafts of eels, codlings, creels of fingerlings, purple sea-gems and playful insects. And heroes voyage from afar to woo them, from Elbana to Schlievmargi, the peerless princes of unfettered Munster, and of Connacht the just and of smooth, sleek Leinster, 
and of Crookens land, and of Armagh the splendid, and of the noble district of Boyle, princes the sons of kings. And there rises a shining palace, whose crystal glittering roof is seen by mariners who traverse the extensive sea in barks built expressly for that purpose, and thither come all herds and fatlings and first fruits of that land, for O'Connell Fitzsimon takes toll of them, a chieftain descended from chieftains. Thither the extremely large wains bring foison of the fields, flaskets of cauliflowers, floats of spinach, pineapple chunks, rangoon beans, strikes of tomatoes, drums of figs, drills of swedes, spherical potatoes and tallies of iridescent kale, york and savoy, and trays of onions, pearls of the earth, and punnets of mushrooms and custard marrows, and fat vetches and beer and rape, and red, green, yellow, brown, russet, sweet, big, bitter, ripe, pomelated apples and chips of strawberries, sieves of gooseberries, pulpy and pelurious, and strawberries fit for princes, and raspberries from their canes. I dare him, says he, and I double dare him. Come out here, Gerthy, you notorious bloody Hill and Dale robber. And by that way wend the herds innumerable of bellwethers and flushed ewes and shearling rams and lambs and stubble geese and medium steers and roaring mares and polled calves and long wolves and store sheep and cuff prime springers and culls and sow pigs and bacon hogs and the various different varieties of highly distinguished swine and Angus heifers and poly bullocks of immaculate pedigree together with prime premiated milch cows and beeves. And there is ever heard a trampling, crackling, roaring, lowing, bleating, bellowing, rumbling, grunting, champing, chewing of sheep and pigs and heavy hoofed kine from pasture lands of lush and rush and carrick mines and from the streamy vales of Thormund, from McGillicuddy's reeks the inaccessible, and lordly Shannon the unfathomable, and from the gentle declivities of the place of the race of Kier, their udders distended with superabundance of milk, and butts of butter, and rennets of cheese, and farmers' firkins, and targets of lamb, and crannocks of corn, and oblong eggs in great hundreds, various in size, the agate with the dun. So we turned into Barney Kiernan's, and there, sure enough, was the citizen, up in the corner, having a great confab with himself, and that bloody mangy mongrel, Gary Owen, and he waiting for what the sky would drop in the way of a drink. There he is, says I, in his glory hole, with his crisking lawn and his load of papers, working for the cause. The bloody mongrel let a grouse out of him would give you the creeps, be a corporal work of mercy if someone would take the life out of that bloody dog. I'm told for a fact he ate a good part of the breeches off a constabulary man in Santry that came around one time with a blue paper about a license. Stand and deliver, says he. That's all right, citizen, says Joe. Friends here. Pass, friends, says he. Then he rubs his hand in his eye and says he, What's your opinion of the times? Doing the rappery and roary of the hill. But, begob, Joe was equal to the occasion. 
I think the markets are on a rise, says he, sliding his hand down his fork. So begob the citizen claps his paw on his knee, and he says, Foreign wars is the cause of it. And says Joe, sticking his thumb in his pocket, It's the Russians wish to tyrannize. Arrah, give over your bloody coddling, Joe, says I. I've a thirst on me I wouldn't sell for half a crown. Give it a name, citizen, says Joe. Wine of the country, says he. What's yours, says Joe. Ditto, Macanaspe, says I. Three pints, Terry, says Joe. And how's the old heart, citizen, says he. Never better, Akara, says he. What, Gary, are we going to win, eh? And with that he took the bloody old Towser by the scruff of the neck, and, by Jesus, he near throttled him. The figure seated on a large boulder at the foot of a round tower was that of a broad-shouldered, deep-chested, strong-limbed, frank-eyed, red-haired, freely-freckled, shaggy-bearded, wide-mouthed, large-nosed, long-headed, deep-voiced, bare-kneed, brawny-handed, hairy-legged, ruddy-faced, sinewy-armed hero. From shoulder to shoulder he measured several ells, and his rock-like mountainous knees were covered, as was likewise the rest of his body wherever visible, with a strong growth of tawny, prickly hair, in hue and toughness similar to the mountain gorse, Ulex Europaeus. The wide-winged nostrils, from which bristles of the same tawny hue projected, were of such capaciousness that within their cavernous obscurity the field-lark might easily have lodged her nest. The eyes in which a tear and a smile strove ever for the mastery were of the dimensions of a good-sized cauliflower. A powerful current of warm breath issued at regular intervals from the profound cavity of his mouth while in rhythmic resonance the loud, strong hail reverberations of his formidable heart thundered rumblingly, causing the ground, the summit of the lofty tower, and the still loftier walls of the cave to vibrate and tremble. He wore a long, unsleeved garment of recently flayed oxhide reaching to the knees in a loose kilt, and this was bound about his middle by a girdle of plaited straw and rushes. Beneath this he wore trues of deerskin, roughly stitched with gut. His nether extremities were encased in high balbrigand buskins, dyed in lichen purple, the feet being shod with brogues of salted cowhide, laced with the windpipe of the same beast. From his girdle hung a row of sea-stones which dangled at every movement of his portentous frame, and on these were graven with rude yet striking art the tribal images of many Irish heroes and heroines of antiquity. Cuculin, Con of Hundred Battles, Nile of Nine Hostages, Brian of Kinkora, the Ardry Malachi, Art McMurrah, Shane O'Neill, Father John Murphy, Owen Rowe, Patrick Sarsfield, Red Hugh O'Donnell, Red Jim McDermott, Sogart Owen O'Growney, Michael Dwyer, Francie Higgins, Henry Joy McCracken, 
Goliath, Horace Wheatley, Thomas Conniff, Peg Woffington, The Village Blacksmith, Captain Moonlight, Captain Boycott, Dante Alighieri, Christopher Columbus, S. Fursa, S. Brendan, Marshall McMahon, Charlemagne, Theobald Wolfe, Tone, The Mother of the Maccabees, The Last of the Mohicans, The Rose of Castile, The Man for Galway, The Man that Broke the Bank at Monte Carlo, The Man in the Gap, The Woman Who Didn't, Benjamin Franklin, Napoleon Bonaparte, John L. Sullivan, Cleopatra, Savernine Delish, Julius Caesar, Paracelsus, Sir Thomas Lipton, William Tell, Michelangelo, Hayes, Muhammad, the Bride of Lammermoor, Peter the Hermit, Peter the Packer, Dark Rosaline, Patrick W. Shakespeare, Brian Confucius, Murtagh Gutenberg, Patricio Velasquez, Captain Nemo, Tristan and Isolde, the First Prince of Wales, Thomas Cook and Son, the Bold Soldier Boy, Arana Pogue, Dick Turpin, Ludwig Beethoven, the Colleen Bawn, Wadler Healy, Angus the Culdy, Dolly Mount, Sydney Parade, Ben Howth, Valentine Greatrakes, Adam and Eve, Arthur Wellesley, Boss Croker, Herodotus, Jack the Giant Killer, Gautama Buddha, Lady Godiva, The Lily of Killarney, Valor of the Evil Eye, The Queen of Sheba, Aki Nagel, Joe Nagel, Alessandro Volta, Jeremiah O'Donovan Rossa, Don Philip O'Sullivan Bear. A couched spear of accumulated granite rested by him, while at his feet reposed a savage animal of the canine tribe, whose stertorous gasps announced that he was sunk in uneasy slumber, a supposition confirmed by hoarse growls and spasmodic movements which his master repressed from time to time by tranquilizing blows of a mighty cudgel rudely fashioned out of Paleolithic stone. So anyhow, Terry brought the three pints Joe was standing, and begob the sight nearly left my eyes when I saw him land out a quid, oh, as true as I'm telling you, a good-looking sovereign. And there's more where that came from, says he. Were you robbing the poor box, Joe? says I. Sweat of my brow, says Joe. Twas the prudent member gave me the wheeze. I saw him before I met you, says I, sloping around by Pill Lane and Greek Street, with his cod's eye counting up all the guts of the fish. Who comes through Mikan's land, bedight in sable armour? O Bloom, the son of Rory, it is he. Impervious to fear is Rory's son, he of the prudent soul. For the old woman of Princess Street, says the citizen, the subsidized organ, the pledge-bound party on the floor of the house. And look at this blasted rag, says he. Look at this, says he. The Irish Independent, if you please, founded by Parnell to be the working man's friend. 
Listen to the births and deaths in the Irish All for Ireland Independent, and I'll thank you and the marriages. And he starts reading them out. Gordon, Barnfield Crescent, Exeter. Redmain of Ifley, St. Anne's on Sea, the wife of William T. Redmain, of a son. How's that, eh? Wright and Flint, Vincent and Gillett, to Rotha Marion, daughter of Rosa and the late George Alfred Gillett, 179 Clapham Road, Stockwell, Playwood and Ridsdale at St. Jude's, Kensington, by the very Reverend Dr. Forrest, Dean of Worcester, eh? Deaths. Bristow, at Whitehall Lane, London. Carr, Stoke Newington, of gastritis and heart disease. Cockburn, at the Moat House, Chepstow. I know that fellow, says Joe, from bitter experience. Cockburn. Dimsey, wife of Davy Dimsey, late of the Admiralty. Miller, Tottenham, aged 85. Welsh, June 12th, at 35 Canning Street, Liverpool. Isabella Helen. How's that for a national press, eh, my brown son? How's that for Martin Murphy, the Bantry jobber? Ah, well, says Joe, handing round the boose. Thanks be to God they had the start of us. Drink that, citizen. I will, says he, honourable person. Health, Joe, says I, and all down the form. Ah, ow, don't be talking. I was blue mouldy for the want of that pint. Declare to God I could hear it hit the pit of my stomach with a click. And lo, as they quaffed their cup of joy, a godlike messenger came swiftly in, radiant as the eye of heaven, a comely youth, and behind him there passed an elder of noble gait and countenance, bearing the sacred scrolls of law, and with him his lady wife, a dame of peerless lineage, fairest of her race. Little Alf Bergen popped in round the door and hid behind Barney's snug, squeezed up with the laughing. And who was sitting up there in the corner that I hadn't seen snoring drunk, blind to the world, only Bob Doran? I didn't know what was up, and Alf kept making signs out of the door. And be gob, what was it? Only that bloody old pantaloon, Dennis Breen, in his bath slippers, with two bloody big books tucked under his oxter, and the wife, hotfoot after him, unfortunate wretched woman, trotting like a poodle. I thought Alf would split. Look at him, says he. Breen. He's traipsing all round Dublin with a postcard someone sent him with U.P. up on it, to take a la and he doubled up. Take a what, says I? Libel action, says he, for ten thousand pounds. Oh, hell, says I. The bloody mongrel began to growl that had put the fear of God in you, seeing something was up, but the citizen gave him a kick in the ribs. Bido hushed, says he. Who, says Joe? Breen, says Alf. He was in John Henry Menton's, and then he went round to Collison Ward's, and then Tom Rochford met him and sent him round to the sub-sheriff's for a lark. Oh, God, I've a pain laughing. U.P. Up. The Longfellow gave him an eye as good as a process, and now the bloody old lunatic has gone round to Green Street to look for a G-man. 
When is Long John going to hang that fellow in Mountjoy? says Joe. Bergen, says Bob Doran, waking up. Is that Alf Bergen? Yes, says Alf. Hanging? Wait till I show you. Here, Terry, give us a pony. That bloody old fool. Ten thousand pounds. You should have seen Long John's eye. You, P. And he started laughing. Who are you laughing at, says Bob Doran. Is that Bergen? Hurry up, Terry boy, says Alf. Terence O'Ryan heard him and straight away brought him a crystal cup full of the foaming ebon ale which the noble twin brothers Bungivay and Bungardland brew ever in their divine ale vats, cunning as the sons of deathless leader, for they garner the succulent berries of the hop and mass and sift and bruise and brew them, and they mix therewith sour juices and bring the must to the sacred fire and cease not, night or day, from their toil, those cunning brothers, lords of the vat. Then did you, chivalrous Terence, hand forth, as to the manner born, that nectarous beverage, and you offered the crystal cup to him that thirsted, the soul of chivalry, in beauty akin to the immortals. But he, the young chief of the Obergans, could ill brook to be outdone in generous deeds, but gave thereof, or with gracious gesture, a testoon of costliest bronze. Thereon, embossed in excellent smithwork, was seen the image of a queen of regal port, scion of the house of Brunswick, Victoria her name, her most excellent majesty, by grace of God of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland, and of the British dominions beyond the sea, queen, defender of the faith, Empress of India, even she who bore rule, a victress over many peoples, the well-beloved, for they knew and loved her from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof, the pale, the dark, the ruddy, and the Ethiope. 